Yes, a football podcast. The NFL draft is finally over. And we're here with USA Today Sports Plus to recap it all for you. I'm Safi Dean, joined by Tyler Dragon. We are NFL insiders with USA Today Sports Plus. Tyler, how you feeling, man? It's been a busy weekend. It's been a grind. I am tired. I'm on fumes. This is my <laughs> uh, third cup of coffee. Three days worth of draft coverage, but it feels good to see, you know, all the players, you know, realizing their dreams, dreams are coming true and just all the families being so proud and everybody's auntie, grandma, mama, dad, everybody, teacher, everybody's there <laughs> to celebrate uh, these young men, girlfriends, wives, I forgot, sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry to the ladies. <laughs> sorry to the ladies. So it, it, does, it does feel good to see these players, you know, realizing their dreams and, you know, achieving lifelong goals. So that makes it all pay off. It, it, you know, even though we're tired, it does feel good seeing these guys do that. And I think not even, you know, for us as media members, Tyler, but also for the players, man, this is a, you know, an incredible grind that these players go through in their lives. Um, you know, most starting playing, you know, peewee football, going up to high school ranks and being some of the best high school players in their areas, going to college and being standouts in college and trying their best to prepare themselves to uh, live these lifelong dreams that we talked about. And now the NFL draft is where players realize their dreams. They get drafted. Um, it, it becomes reality for them. Dreams become reality. But honestly, the real reality starts once their name is called, because now they got to show up. Right. Now they got to show up. Uh, Tyler, we, it was an incredible first round on Thursday night. Um, just incredible to see how, Five defensive players came off the board with the top five picks. An immediate, immediate string of receivers. I believe six receivers went within 15 picks, if not less. And uh, no quarterback was taken until the 20th pick. Uh, Kenny Pickett went to the Steelers. And we'll touch base on the quarterbacks a little bit more. But, uh, Tyler, some of your first-round reactions, winners and losers. I definitely know we talked about this on our Twitter spaces on draft night, and we'll have some more of that later on too, but um, just some of your initial reactions from the first round. Defensive linemen and offensive linemen and receivers dominated the first round, and we all knew it coming in. This draft class was strong in those areas, but what, talking about winners and losers, the Giants and the Jets both improved their teams in a major way. The Giants with, you know, they had – probably the two best players at their position. I thought Kayvon Thibodeau was the best player in the entire draft. And then they get Evan Neal, who many believe was the best tackle in the draft. And a lot of people said they were the best two players in the draft. The Giants got both of them on their team. And I really like what the Jets did to kind of boost their roster and upgrade around Zach Wilson. They got a receiver. They uh, went in the second round, got the running back um, out of um, Iowa. Um, so, you know, Bryce Hall, Bryce Hall, Bryce Hall. Hall, sorry. Yeah. So, you know, I think they did really good to improve their team. So those are winners, in my opinion. I really like what the Baltimore Ravens did um, on both sides of the ball. Got an really? offense. Yes. Got an offensive line in, in uh, Tyler uh, Lindenbaum, Kyle Hamilton. That was a steal. 
A lot of people thought he was going mm-hmm. to be top 10, top 12. The Ravens got him at, what, the 14th pick. So I really like what Baltimore did. And then the Philadelphia Eagles, they're probably my last win. First of all, how are you going to have the Kobe Dean drop to the third round? And I get it. The medicals, people were you know uh-huh. concerned about his shoulder. People were concerned about you know, his size, he's a little undersized for inside linebacker. But when I watched the film, the film, he was the best defensive player on Georgia's football team. And I get it, Jordan Davis and all the other guys. Trevon was, Walker. Yeah, Trevon Walker. The number one Georgia pick. was stacked. But turn on the film, and the best player week in and week out on Georgia's football team was that inside linebacker. Nicobe Dean. So the Eagles got a steal right there. I do like what they did. Got Jordan Davis too. Interior defensive tackle, very disruptive. So those are my winners in uh, the draft. What about you, Just Shout out to Nicobe Dean, my long lost cousin. There's no relation there. Um, yeah, man, you, you hit it right on the head. I think the Giants, you know, we're, you're going to hear me say this later on in the podcast, but Chef's Kiss, Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan, Lee, Evan Neal were both considered number one picks in this draft process and for them to get both of them with pick number five and pick number seven, I believe um, just incredible by them. Incredible job by Brian Dable and Joe Sheen, the GM, the new GM and new coach for the giants coming over from Buffalo. Those two guys had a really, really big impact and say in how Josh Allen developed as quarterback, which is Brian Dable's job and also how they built that roster the last couple of years to be able to compete in the playoff mix with the Kansas City Chiefs, um, you know, the last couple of years too, even though they were on the losing end. But to get to where they were playoff-wise, uh, especially where that franchise was before Josh Allen, all those guys did help out. Um, I think this is a really good step for the New York Giants. Uh, the Jets trading back into the first round and getting Jermaine Johnson at the end of the round. He was probably the third best defensive end in the class behind Thibodeau, behind Hutchinson. Or a lot of people thought of him like that, but he slipped to the 20s. Um, but adding Sauce Gardner, the cornerback with the fourth pick, and Garrett Wilson, the number 10 pick, receiver from Ohio State. Uh, three first-round picks. I mean, you know, all those guys are going to have to prove it. And and they got some really big expectations to live, live up to in New York. But um, for the Jets, I think they had a, a, a monster draft. Um, the, the the crazy thing to me, too, is the the, the receiver thing. Is, is not only did we see A.J. Brown traded from the Titans to the Eagles – and receiving 100 million new reasons why to love uh, new quarterback Jalen Hurts. He seems really happy about that. Um, but Marquise Hollywood Brown leaving the Ravens for the Arizona Cardinals was a surprise as well, just because we don't know if Lamar got any more receivers now, Tyler. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot of talk has been out there about, you know, Marquise Hollywood Brown perhaps maybe not liking the system he's mm-hmm. playing in. I mean, he did get eight targets a game. That's really great. I'm not sure if he's going to get that much in Arizona with DeAndre Hopkins also there, but DeAndre Hopkins is injured. Marquise Hollywood Brown is going to get all those targets for the Cardinals. And it's pretty cool for, you know, Hollywood Brown to reunite with Kyler Murray. They played together at Oklahoma. So that's a nice little undertone there. But um, the receivers getting moved. I think the big loser here in uh, everything is, is probably uh, two people, two, two players in particular, uh, Debo Samuel. Yet to be moved, still going to be stuck with the San Francisco 49ers as it seems <laughs> right now. And, uh, you know, usually you use draft night to, to move your draft picks and get the players. But if nobody wants to pay Debo Samuel a big amount of money, 
or trade those draft picks on draft night, uh, he's going to be there for a little while. And then I would say the other biggest loser is Baker Mayfield. Uh, poor Baker Mayfield. Uh, I forgot his middle name. Sorry, Baker. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Baker Mayfield is still with the Cleveland Browns under contract. He did not get moved. And some of these quarterbacks that got drafted here in this uh, in this draft were taken by teams who needed quarterbacks. So it definitely shored up the market for his end, too. Baker Reagan Mayfield. Thank you, producer Emily, for that. Um, Tyler, let's, let's, let's jump into the quarterbacks, man, because um, there – was a lot of talk. Well, excuse me. There was not a lot of talk for quarterbacks in this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, usually quarterbacks are the ones that take all the center of attention. And this draft still delivered from a, from an entertainment standpoint with how the picks unfolded, defense, wide receiver, a bunch of trades on draft night, the first night. But uh, let's talk about the quarterbacks, Tyler. So we got Kenny Pickett going to Pittsburgh with the 20th pick. Uh, the second quarterback off the board was Desmond Ritter. Uh, going to the Atlanta Falcons in the third round, followed by Malik Willis, the third quarterback taken off the draft uh, to the Titans. Matt Corral from Ole Miss has landed with the Carolina Panthers. And Sam Howe from UNC, North Carolina, is with Washington. All those teams had some sort of need at quarterback, and I feel like they did a good job of feel, you know filling in. In the, in the meantime, it's just up to those players to live up to the potential that is kind of unfair – unfairly set by guys like Pat Mahomes, who won an MVP in a Super Bowl already, Lamar Jackson, who's won an MVP already, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, all these young stars that are doing so much in this league, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. All these quarterbacks got a lot to live up to, and I think it's good for those teams that do get a quarterback. Yeah, you know, so when the draft started i was hearing that malik willis was going to go to the pittsburgh steelers unfortunately i owe you dinner because they did pick any ticket the hometown guy he can really same facility in pittsburgh but i am pleasantly surprised that the tennessee titans took malik willis because it it signals that they are running out of confidence with Ryan Tannehill. I was at at that game when they played the Bengals in the playoffs and they lost that game because of him. Yes. He he was holding that team back. And I think Ryan Tannehill has reached his peak. And you probably know that well from covering the Dolphins and his time with the Dolphins as well. Please don't remind me. He is a quarterback. He is who he is. And for the Titans to draft uh, Malik Willis, yes, albeit in the third round, I I do believe that he's going to sit, you know, a kind of a redshirt year in Tennessee before he uh, takes over the reins uh, for the Titans. So I do like that draft pick. Um, When I look at Matt Corral and the other quarterbacks, I I do like him with the Panthers, but is he – really a starting caliber quarterback. The jury's still out on that. He is a dual threat quarterback. I like that from Long Beach Poly. I do like that too. Long Beach Poly high shout out. <laughs> um, course, you know, and, and uh, Ken, Kenny Pickett, I, I think he has a, a shot to start in Pittsburgh in year one. I think he's the only quarterback with an opportunity uh, to start Desmond Ritter. I do believe he'll probably sit a year. Uh, behind Marcus Mariota with the Atlanta Falcons. But 
you know, he's a quarterback that's played in big games. He's been in big moments and he took Cincinnati, you know, a mid-major to, you know, almost a promised land, but took him to the, you know, BC. I mean, not BC. They don't even call it BCS anymore. I'm so old, but you know, college football playoff. So I, I do like how he commands an offense. I like his leadership ability. He's a mature quarterback. Uh, he knows how to, you know, get the job done. So, you know, the, this quarterback draft class, it wasn't as strong as years before. We said that at nauseum. But the quarterbacks landed in situations where I believe they can succeed. Now, will they be starting elite quarterbacks? I don't think so. But some of them have the ability to be, you know, starting caliber, pretty good quarterbacks that you can, you know, win games with and hold down the fort with. Especially, yeah. I do think Malik Willis has the highest ceiling, and I do think Kenny Pickett has landed in an ideal situation that he is all too familiar with, and he is in a position probably best to succeed. Because people forget, Pittsburgh, they snuck into the playoffs last year with Ben Roethlisberger on his last legs who couldn't throw across the street. So I do believe <laughs> that he's in the best situation to succeed. But also, I do like what's around Malik Willis, too. I mean, if you hand off to Derrick Henry. Yeah, he'll be all right. You're, 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 yeah, you're going to be all right. <laughs> Tyler, man, I don't know what the draft did to you. You've been really funny today, man. You've been really funny today. Mm-hmm. I had to put myself on mute laughing about that Kenny Pickett <laughs> thing there just now. Or excuse me, with that Big Ben thrown across the street. Um <laughs> Look, Tyler, you know, I'll repeat myself again here. Uh, it's so unfair what Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, all those guys did to this league and to future quarterbacks going forward because of how good they've been so early. And it's so unfair to have those kind of expectations for any new quarterback in the league. But this is the world that we live in here. Um, is it burning you up inside that you can't put Tua Amongst those elite quarterback, young quarterback groups, does it burn you up inside? It burns me up inside that I <laughs> knew you was going to say that. And it burns me up inside that I couldn't even joke about it this time. But also, you know, this is, look, it's a benefactor of this. And, you know, Tua's got a big year three coming up with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Usually year three is the year players take off. Josh Allen took off in year three. Um, so there's still some kind of, uh, you know, I guess hope for Miami, but also some kind of patience, some kind of patience for quarterbacks here too. It's a glimmer of hope for sure. Um, you know, but Tyler, I think, I I think Kenny Pickett, I'm not sure if I think Pittsburgh, you know, staying in their backyard and taking the quarterback that they was right there for them. Um, you know, sometimes you, you get the most because you're very, very close to the quarterback, you know, in that situation. And sometimes maybe you hear something that takes you and convince you that maybe you didn't need to hear. Um, I was surprised Malik Willis didn't go there. Um, it was just another sad reminder about Dwayne Haskins passing for me personally, because he could have been a comp, you know, player that, you know, competed for that job there. Um, but we'll see how Kenny Pickett does. Uh, you know, Mike Tomlin is obviously the longest, one of the longest tenured coaches in the league, and they're going to build an offense that, you know, satisfies Kenny Pickett's skill set. Um, I was amazed to see Desmond Ritter go a little bit early, but Arthur Smith was the former Titans coach. He did so he did wonders with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. And so for him to kind of have that eye on talent, um, you know, Desmond Ritter is going to get a chance to play early in Atlanta, even though Marcus Mariota is there. 
And I think with Malik Willis in Tennessee, I think that's a great, great landing spot for him. A.J. Brown is gone, but Derrick Henry is still there. And, you know, I think, like you said, Ryan Tannehill did reach his ceiling. I think he might have been on his ceiling the last couple of seasons where he helped the Tennessee Titans get into the playoff mix. But like you mentioned, he uh, threw several interceptions, I believe three in that playoff game against the, mm-hmm. the Bengals last offseason, uh, last postseason. And uh, Malik Willis lands in a spot where, um, you know, Ryan Tannehill may be good enough to help them throughout the regular season, may not be good enough for them in the playoff mix. But, uh, you know, there's no rush for Malik Willis right now. Tannehill can at least have at least one more season um, before Willis comes in and takes over the reins for that. So, And I'll just, you know, make two quick notes on Matt Corral going to the Carolina Panthers and Sam Howell going to Washington. Both those teams need a quarterback so, so badly. Poor Matt Rule, the Panthers coach, been three years in there and couldn't get a quarterback. Uh, he's tried with Sam Darnold. He brought Cam Newton back after setting him back in his first year there. Um, they had the number six pick, and they went with the O-lineman, uh, Icky out of NC State. But um, I think that was a good landing spot for Matt Corral. A lot of people you know, valued Matt Corral a little bit higher in the draft process um, because of the work he did at Ole Miss. So we'll see how that unfolds for Carolina. But Matt Rule is definitely on the hot seat going into to year four, I believe, with him in Carolina. And then Sam Howell to Washington. Look, Washington is a tough place to play. It's a tough place to be. It's a frustrating franchise all the way around when you think of the off-field matters that they got going on. And, you know, they're trying to, you know, kind of get over the hump offensively with Taylor Heineke. And, you know, poor Ryan Fitzpatrick barely played a couple games there. And uh, Dwayne Haskins only played a year there. And uh, you're wondering if they should have took both those, you know, if they should have took Justin Herbert or, or somebody else, you know, and, and later, you know, previous drafts. But um, I think those teams that got quarterbacks, they needed to get quarterbacks. And we'll see if they're in the quarterback mix next year when the quarterback no hope. a bit better. No hope for Carson Wins in Washington? You got any hope for him? <laughs> <laughs> I certainly don't. I think, look, Carson Wins is a good veteran. He'll be able to help Washington marginally. But, I, you know, I, I think it's – Washington knows it needs to figure out its quarterback situation. They got one in in the offseason in Carson Wentz, and they got another one in Sam Howell. So we'll see how it goes for Washington. It's better to have a couple quarterbacks to see what you got and then reevaluate after that than really not having anything at all. Yeah, some of those teams, Washington, I think are still going to be in the quarterback market next year when Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud uh, are draft eligible and probably entering the NFL draft. I think they're going to be knocking on the door for a quarterback all over again. So this is a question I was uh, thinking about um, when you were talking. Who do you believe starts first out of the quarterbacks um, who are drafted? I do think it's Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh. And then I'm probably going to go with Malik Willis. Ah, you, you, I got a surprise pick. I, I do think something tells me that Ryan Tannehill, his leash is going to run out before the year is up, and they're going to give the reins to Malik Willis. I think Tennessee takes a step back this year. That loss of A.J. Brown is a, a huge loss uh, because, and I mean, they don't really have – I know they got Traylon Burks, but he still needs time to develop. I, he's – Kind of a carbon copy of A.J. Brown, but he ain't A.J. Brown yet. 
<laughs> so I, I do think the Titans take a step back this year. Of the first quarterback that's going to play, honestly, for me, I, I think Mitch Trubisky is going to play before Kenny Pickett. And I think, uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill probably doesn't have a shortage leash as you think. I mean, you don't help the AFC. You don't have the Titans become one of the best teams in the AFC. They arguably had, I think they had the best record a couple of seasons ago. And we're very much in the playoff mix, if not the number one seed, right? Or I believe they, were they had the number one seed too. last year. All right. Mm-hmm. So look, so I think Ryan Tannehill's leash is a little bit longer. Um, but I think the door will be knocking for Malik Wilson and fans will be, um, you know, pounding their chest for Malik Willis when Ryan Tannehill has another three interception game. For me, I think I think uh, the, the the first quarterback that has a chance to play immediately is uh, Desmond Ritter in, in Atlanta. Mm. I think I think I think the Falcons look. They have Kyle Pitts instead of going D line. They got the the first receiver off the board in Drake London with the eighth pick in the draft. They don't have Calvin Ridley for a year because he was betting money on games or uh, on parlays and stuff like that. Um, Atlanta desperately, desperately needs talent, and they desperately need to find their next quarterback after trading away Matt Ryan to the Colts. Um, they should have took Justin Fields in the draft last year instead of Kyle Pitts. You keep I saying will, that. You go stay will, on that hill. You say that. I will, <laughs> I will die on that hill. But Desmond Ritter needs to, needs to play early, and I think Arthur Smith – with his offensive mind and things he did for Tannehill and the fact that he went and got Mariota because they played together before. And I think it's really up to Arthur Smith to really groom Desmond Ritter quickly. And so I think there's no better experience than experience. And I think Desmond Ritter is going to play a little bit earlier than anticipated because look, the Falcons have nothing to lose. You know, they they have nothing to lose playing him early. They don't have anything to lose, but they're going to lose a whole lot of games. (laughs) They are probably the worst team in that division. But I do like what they've done. Uh, I like the Drake London uh, pick. He's a Mm -hmm. tall receiver, a former basketball player. You have Drake London and Kyle Pitts right there. After a year, you have the speedster back in Calvin Ridley. I mean, you have two big body players at tight end and receiver, and then you got the speedster and Calvin Ridley in 2023. But that's a pretty good combination for a young quarterback to grow, develop with. And, you know, he's going to have some weapons, uh, way more than he had at Cincinnati. And he still took Cincinnati, you know, to the college football playoffs. So I do like what the Falcons have done. I like that pick. I do think they're going to probably sit him, though, because they're, right now there's just not a lot of talent, especially in that offensive line. And the defense leaves a lot to be desired as well from a depth perspective. Uh, Tyler, producer Emily, can we talk a little Aaron Rodgers for a little bit? Just a quick little bit? Because uh, I was watching Aaron Rodgers. I don't like betting against Aaron Rodgers. You know what? I'm going to have to start betting against him, producer Emily. <laughs> I really am because poor Aaron Rodgers saw the Green Bay Packers have two first-round picks, Tyler, late in the first round. And unfortunately for him as a quarterback, they chose two defensive players. They got two players off that crazy Georgia defense. So I guess kudos to them because they saw where the well was was very, very productive. And they went and got two Georgia defenders to boost their defense. They're going to need some help defensively if they want to get back into the NFC mix. But uh, Aaron Rodgers had to wait until day two for the Packers to get a wide receiver. And they landed North Dakota State. Uh, Christian Watson with Christian the number Watson, 34th yeah. pick. Yep. They traded up. I believe they traded with the Vikings, a crazy trade. That doesn't ever happen, but 
The Vikings took two picks to let the Packers move up and get a receiver. And uh, it was funny to me. Well, not so much funny, but Aaron Rodgers said on his appearance Thursday night on the show is that um, he told Devontae Adams plans of his future, how much longer he was expecting to play. And he thought Devontae Adams was going to buy in and, uh, you know, return to Green Bay. He thought that the number the Packers offered Devontae Adams was significant, but uh, Devontae Adams still moved on and went to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. And uh, I'm just wondering how how truly, truly Aaron Rodgers does feel about having to wait uh, for a receiver. Well, you know, I would sound like a hypocrite if I talked about the Packers too much because I actually, this is going to surprise you, I like I don't like betting against Aaron Rodgers. And it's because I had them in my mock draft. I had them picking Christian Watson in the first round. Oh, okay. And they ended up getting him in the second round. He was still available. They boosted up their defense, got two Georgia players, like you just said, Mm -hmm. really good defense. And then they got the player that they coveted in the second round. So that was good value right there. And he's a little bit raw, but he's very athletic. He's big and he's a he looks kind of like a Packers receiver when you when you see him play. I do think he can develop into a number one caliber receiver. Uh, oh, he was, under, he was under recruited, obviously mm-hmm. went to a small school, but he got better each and every season. And he's very athletic and explosive. So I do like their draft. Aaron Rodgers is very much just like how you are, Tyler, because he mentioned on the show how. The Packers had plenty of success in the past drafting later round receivers. You know, Devontae Adams was one of them. Greg Jennings was one of them. Jordy Nelson was one of them. Man, Jordy Nelson, you know, what a star for the Packers he was. And then also, you know, Donald Driver, you know, for them too. So Mm -hmm. I see you got your Green Bay green on. I see you're not going to bet against Aaron Rodgers as well here. But, I don't uh, like betting against Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you know, That's your voice, to. by the way. That's I'm, your I, might, voice. I might have to. I might have to. You know what? I think we need to switch over to what the Kansas City Chiefs did. Oh, and, and maybe, I'm going to pick what, the Chiefs again. And maybe what the San Francisco 49ers and the Rams did. I have no idea what you're they talking about. Wait, I, oh, wow. Stop Emily. it. Was that you? That was your voice. Producer Emily on the trigger as usual as we shoot It's a Football Podcast. <laughs> All right, guys, we had some special guests join us on our Twitter spaces during the draft, and we wanted you to get another listen at them here on It's a Football Podcast. So first up, we have Mackenzie Salmon. She's our host of Sports Seriously, brought to you by USA Today Sports. And uh, she was in Las Vegas and, and kind of set the scene and showed us her thoughts on how the New York Giants and the New York Jets did. My biggest winners of this uh, was definitely the New York team, surprisingly enough. You know, you know, Jets, Giants, nine times out of ten don't make the best picks. Um, but I really think they were the biggest winners in this. Kayvon and Sauce, um, from what times I have spoken to both of them, their energy, uh, their their aura about them, it, they very much are going to fit in those New York uh, New York teams. And I think they're going to thrive there. And Kayvon, when he got picked, he was seen in a big crowd of uh, Giants fans. And of course, Jets fans were freaking out over sauce. Tyler, I have to agree with McKenzie. I think New York City definitely won day one of the draft with the Giants and Jets going absolutely ham in the first round. For them to both draft multiple starters, it was an exceptional draft. You know, like I said, Kayvon Thibodeau, I believe, was the best player in this draft. And the Giants picked him up. 
They arguably picked up the best left tackle and Evan Neal. And then the New York Jets, man, they were extremely aggressive picking up Sauce Gardner, starting caliber cornerback, Garrett Wilson, probably the best receiver in the draft, Jermaine Johnson. Some people had him as the best edge rusher. I know it's, you know, arguably, but some people had him as the best edge rusher. And then Brees Hall, the best running back in the draft. So you can make a case that they picked up the four best players at their position in the entire draft. So the Jets got better and the Giants got better. New York, stand up. And we also welcomed in a duo from NorthJersey.com, Art Stapleton and Andy Vasquez. They both cover the Giants and the Jets in New York and New Jersey. And they uh, let us in on their insights on how the Giants and Jets did in the first round. Busy night for the Jets, but they, they, they've definitely got to be better than they were before, right? Definitely. Look, I think picking up Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson are two huge gets. Um, I kind of feel a little, uh, a little sorry for the Jets in the sense that I think the Giants may have had a better draft. But um, I think Robert Sala... Got, got it right with these two guys. I think when you have a, a division where Tyreek Hill and and Stefan Diggs and Jalen Waddle are in it, and, um, you know, you need a player like Sauce Gardner who's going to defend and lock down one of those guys. Um, and then Garrett Wilson, this is a, a, a receiver that you're going to get for Zach Wilson, the quarterback who is, you know, getting into his second year and looking to take the next step. Um, Andy, I guess what, what are your thoughts on, on, on the draft pick so far? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting, especially when you look, like you just mentioned, the Giants, when you look at how it played out with with them passing on Thibodeau and then him going with the very next pick, number five overall, to the Giants, that's going to be, you know, obviously it's going to play out over the next, you know, four or five years and we're going to find out if the Jets made the right decision and maybe both teams got it right. But that it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because the Jets did need edge rushing help and that's the one thing they didn't get at the top of this first round right now we're joined by andy vasquez um who covers the jets and also art stapleton who covers the giants both with the record in new jersey and new jersey north new jersey.com um a lot of new york stuff happened in this draft with the giants and the jets taking two picks in the first round art i was telling andy a little while ago i, I kind of feel like uh some jets fans might feel slightly slightly underwhelmed because of the fact that the Giants got Kayvon Thibodeau. They got Evan Neal. These are two players who were considered number one picks at, at some point during this draft process. And the Giants got both of them. Uh, what, are, what are your some initial reactions on the picks by the Giants? You know, it, it, thanks guys for having me first off. And, you know, I'm standing out here at the Giants facility and looking at MetLife Stadium. And, you know, I think the that that stadium is now going to house the best corner from this draft potentially the biggest personality from this draft I don't even think that's a question and the best offensive <laughs> lineman from this draft we'll see if Wilson is the best receiver uh, but I, I think for the Giants perspective they were sitting at five they knew Carolina was in the market for an offensive lineman the fact that the Jets went sauce set Joe Shane and company up uh, really to to read the math that was going on they had their three top offensive linemen all tackles on the board at five and Kayvon Thibodeau was there and they decided to roll the dice, take Thibodeau and then hope that the top tackle on their board, Evan Neal was at seven. And he was the went to the Carolina and they end up getting the guy who they want to play at right tackle with Andrew Thomas at left tackle. So uh, for the giants and first year GM, Joe Shane, 
tonight could not have gone any better. I was, uh, you know, almost forgot about Andrew Thomas there with the Giants there, Art. Let me ask you guys one thing, Art and Andy. Uh, you got a lot of talent in the top 10 with these two picks for each team. You're getting a lot of swagger with the first picks for both teams. I want to ask you, Andy and Art, who has the most swagger? Is it Sauce Gardner or is it Kayvon Thibodeau? I don't know, Andy. You want to take it? We just got off of 20 minutes with Kayvon Thibodeau, and it'd be hard to hard for me to find a player that I've covered, and I've covered the NFL since 2009, that has had more swagger than Kayvon Thibodeau has shown over the last two and a half months during this draft process. So as much as I can appreciate Sauce and, and who he is, and I will not underestimate the Sauce, but I think it's Kayvon Thibodeau. And uh, I don't think there's any question that, that he believes he has a personality fit for the Big Apple. I'm going to have to wait until tomorrow to get back to you on that one because he, he didn't, Sauce didn't bring it in his video conference. I'm just going to be honest. It could have been better. Um, he was fine, but I, I want to see him here in person tomorrow and see what he brings. But I just think it's going to be fascinating kind of watching this over the next several years and how it plays out, just the way it went. And the Jets, they had that needed edge rusher. Uh, they, they didn't take Thibodeau. And obviously he's going to be motivated for several reasons, and, and that should be one of them. So – uh, it's going to be kind of cool to see how it all plays out. And I think, I mean, both these teams got better, both needed to get better. And that's a good thing for football in this area because it has been a rough go lately. Yeah, Andy, I want to get one more question to you before we uh, get back to Art and uh, we can get you out of here, Andy. But just for the Jets overall, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, uh, you know, two position players, two big playmakers, uh, respectively, in their own rights. You know, what do you think this does for, for Zach Wilson? What do you think this does for Robert Sala and the Jets moving forward? Yeah, well, I just think it gives them, on defense, a, a much bigger margin for error. I mean, they, they were running guys out there that, to be totally honest with you, at times last year in the defensive backfield, they were like, wait, is, how long has that guy been on the roster? Who Who, who is that? Um, and, and, I, and it's hard. I mean, and you, and you wonder why they had one of the worst defenses in football or the worst defense statistically in football last year and why, you know, at any time they could make a game changing bust. I mean, that was a big part of it. And, and part of it was that they weren't willing to really change their defensive scheme to, to fit, you know, to be more simple for these young guys it, they wanted the guys who were going to stick around to kind of learn. So the defense that they'd be in moving forward. I think that's going to pay off moving forward, especially with a guy like sauce who you can put on one side of the field. And I think pretty early you're going to be able to trust him to not mess up at least it and maybe lock a guy down. So, so that's huge for the defense. And then with Zach Wilson, just adding another weapon is going to help him and a guy with that versatility, like I mentioned before, but, but it's also going to help the other weapons on the offense because there's going to be less attention on them. I mean, if you've got Corey Davis out there, Elijah Moore, you now got two tight ends who are starting caliber, and you throw Garrett Wilson into the mix, somebody's going to be open or have the chance to get open almost every time down the field. And that's not a situation that the Jets have been in in the, in the first six years that I've covered them. So if they can get through training camp healthy and get to the regular season like that, I mean, there isn't going to be an excuse for Zach Wilson. The offensive line is much better. Uh, he's got weapons all over the field now. 
uh, it's time to see if if he can take a step forward and and really show some progress here in year two. Andy, thanks so much for your time tonight, man. If you're a Jets fan tuning in with us right now, follow Andy Vasquez with NorthJersey.com. Uh, does a great job covering the Jets, and we'll see how they do this season. I do like C.J. Usama, the pickup, the tight end from the Bengals. Um, I'm really excited to see what Elijah Moore does as well now that Garrett Wilson's on the Jets as well. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch, man. Thank, thanks so much for having me. Take care. Andy, thanks so much. All right, let's get back to you, man, and uh, the Giants with, with two picks, Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal. Um, you know, an edge rusher, a premier edge rusher and a premier left tackle who you said is going to be playing right tackle with Andrew Thomas, their first-round pick, top-five pick from a couple years ago. Um, Art, what do you think this does for the Giants moving forward to get two potential cornerstones like this in the top ten? You know, I think it's a great boost for, you know, a new era here with the Giants. You know, Brian Dable here as head coach, but also Joe Shane. I mean, a 41-year-old general manager getting his first shot at the draft and you open it up with a top five pick, you know, top, top five, number five and number seven. Uh, and he, they end up with the guy just a few months ago that would have been considered the top pick in the draft with Kayvon Thibodeau. And then at the combine, the top pick in the draft was supposed to be Evan Neal, if you guys remember that. And they end up with Evan Neal at number seven. So I think Giants fans are very happy. They got the offensive lineman that they wanted, I believe. Uh, and I think with Thibodeau, look, his personality is going to make Giants fans fall in love with him. And that's because he hasn't played a down of football yet. You know, once he gets <laughs> on the field, once he gets on the field, he's got to show that his skill set not only uh, is what it showed, but can improve and that he can reach the ceiling that he believes maybe he's a lot closer to than than what some scouts in the league said. Um, and I don't mean that as a knock on Thibodeau. I, I think the Giants, as he said to us on a conference call just a few minutes ago, Giants, no team did more homework on him than the Giants did. They met with him at the combine and they actually grilled him. He called them out in a cut in a the press conference at the combine and said the Giants gave me a hard time. And then Joe Shane, the general manager, flew to Eugene, Oregon to the pro day. And we got we know Oregon didn't necessarily have top flight play. It's not like Justin Herbert was working out in addition to Kayvon Thibodeau, and that's not to slam Oregon, but he went there for Thibodeau. They went to dinner the night before at a Korean barbecue place in Eugene, Oregon, and I can only imagine Joe Shane, a guy from Elkert, Indiana, having Korean barbecue in Eugene, Oregon with Kayvon Thibodeau. <laughs> you know, and then when he, came, when he came here to the Giants for a top 30 visit, not only did Thibodeau casually drop the idea that you know, he bumped into Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones in the locker room, but that Michael Strahan decided to stop on by the facility and say hello, and now Thibodeau considers Strahan one of his mentors. So it's it's been a crazy day, I think, for the Giants, or at least a couple hours, because if you had told them that this is how the draft would have turned out, I think uh, they would have been ecstatic. And that was the word they used right at the very beginning of their news conference tonight is that they're ecstatic. Now the two players have to go out there and perform. 
uh, and the Giants haven't had a lot of that performance from their draft picks high over the last couple of years. So um, it, it's it's a wild night, guys. I, I can't I can't put into context even more so than I did what Thibodeau's personality is going to be here. And <laughs> right now, it's a personality that is going to get a lot of positivity. Um, but like the Giants asked him at his combine interview, if you go without a sack for three, four games, what's going to be your response when the media comes to your locker and says, why are you not performing? And his response on the field is going to be a lot more important than what his response is in front of cameras. And I think um, that that's what Thibodeau is going to do. He's going to juice this fan base up. He's going to want his teammates to play. His teammates are going to want to play with him. Uh, but ultimately, he is going to set the bar so ridiculously high that he's going to have to work for it. And he's going to have to be as special as really he thinks he is. And I'm not one to say he isn't because I was impressed with what I saw on film. But um, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's for all the people who think the Giants are buttoned up and. There's no way the Mara and Tish families would take a personality like this. Well, guess what? They just did. He's here. And his personality kind of dwarfs Evan Neal's. But Evan Neal might even be as important, if not more important, to what they want to do this season to try to get back to their at least stability and some winning ways. Uh, I think just an incredible job by Brian Dable and, and, and showing the, the GM by the Giants here in their first go with New York after so many years together in Buffalo. And we saw both of those guys had a hand in helping Josh Allen and helping the Bills, um, you know, build themselves up into being a perennial AFC powerhouse. And we'll see if the Giants can follow suit, Art. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the, the interesting part about it, and going back to when you had Andy on and talking about Sauce Gardner and Kayvon Thibodeau, is that I wonder if Kayvon Thibodeau, not even I wonder, I, I'm pretty certain that if Kayvon Thibodeau goes four, to the Jets, Sauce Gardner goes five to the Giants. That's how intertwined these guys are going to be coming here. And ultimately, the Giants still need to find their corner. That's going to be a, a big part of this because I think they need to uh, – we, we've all talked about James Bradbury and how much longer he'll be on this roster for financial reasons. Uh, I think he'll get, end up getting traded this weekend. Uh, so they're going to still have to go out and find that corner. Uh, to play opposite of Dory Jackson. But for now, Wink Martindale's defense has that key chess piece to play opposite Aziz Ojolari. And uh, really now this defense has some juice, whereas it's really been flat in the last couple of years. Two years ago, a lot of the juice was created by the defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, and his schematics. I think now you give Wink Martindale a player like Kayvon Thibodeau and look out. All right, Tyler, we talked enough about the NFL draft and everybody else's draft night, but let's talk about our own draft nights, man. Uh, you were hanging out with Snoop Dogg at the L.A. Chargers draft party on Thursday night. You got to see Snoop Dogg perform for the second time this year after seeing him in a halftime show during the Super Bowl. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm not jealous, um, but let's, uh, let's talk about that a little bit and your experience with the Chargers um on thursday night how did it go over there yeah you know there were draft parties across the league but i have to say vegas was probably had the best draft party but yeah the la chargers 
They, I, I might have to say they were second. I'm not biased just because I was oh, there. Wow. But it was at SoFi Stadium. They had a big concert. Snoop Dogg performed. Uh, there, uh, you know, they had Big Boy, the uh, famous DJ, um, radio DJ, was there. Power he was, 106. Uh, there. Yeah. Okay, you know about Power 106. I shut see you. Up. Come on. So yeah, it was it was just a nice atmosphere, a good vibe. Uh, they ended up taking uh, Zion Johnson, the offensive lineman, out of uh, Boston College. Uh, he has a good story. I'll, I'll have that coming up on uh, USA Today Sports Plus. But, you know, it was just a good atmosphere. And a lot. there's a lot of hype around the Chargers this year. I just don't talk about them because of Justin Herbert. But they have a really good team forming. They were um, aggressive in free agency. They got Khalil Mack in a trade with the Bears. So, I said on a, a TV station, local TV station down there, that they are probably going to be my AFC West pick. What? And that, and that, and that you know, a lot of people think that's a hot take because the Chiefs have won a division six straight years. And producer mm-hmm. Emily always makes fun of me because I got that sound by I'm going to pick the Chiefs again. But the way the Chargers are building up their roster from top to bottom they have the star players. They have the personnel to win the AFC West this year. And I like what they have done in the draft. They've uh, upgraded their offensive really? line, the interior. Really? They still need to, you know, get a player at right tackle that can stabilize that position. But I like what they've done on defense. And we all know what they have on offense as far as the skill position players and one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. The Chargers are going to take over the Chiefs in the AFC West. I'm not going to sidestep that. I'm leaning. I'm leaning that way, Soffit. I am leaning that way, and that's not just because I was smelling what's in the air at the Snoop Dogg concert. I'm just (laughs) leaning that way. Leaning that way always. Yes. Okay. Cool. Well, um, we're going to need another soundbite out of this one, producer Emily, because I can't believe you just really not going to pick the the Chiefs over the Chargers. I can't believe you're not picking the char- the Chiefs again. Stop it. I mean, just say it ain't so. Say it, it ain't so. I, 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 we might have to have a new soundbite. When I look at J.C. Jackson in free agency, yeah, Sebastian okay. Joseph Day from the Rams, then you right. trade to get Khalil Mack. Big move. They might have the best two, you know, set of pass rushers in the entire yeah. NFL, not just look. the AFC West. I mean, Chandler Jones, though. With the Ra- the Raiders mm-hmm. are, are you know doing some things too with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, but yeah, I might I think have to pick that. I, I think it's um, I think it's all going to ride on Keenan Allen and Mike Williams staying healthy for mm-hmm. sure. Austin Eckler as well to help Justin Herbert there, but man, I can't bet against the Chiefs. I don't like betting against Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes either, unless he's playing the Bengals. But that's another story, <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> but uh, like you said, Zion Johnson, O-lineman out of Boston College. How many O-linemen are the Chargers going to take in the first round? I mean, Rashawn Slater. And then they take another one last hey, year, hey, too. Hey, the year that, before that. That, that worked out pretty well. It, was, it has. They're starting in the that's, Pro Bowl. And the year before you, that, it was Justin Herbert. Come on, man. My bad, my bad. But that's how you build a team. That's how you build a team. So, uh, we'll see how the Chargers do this season. I'm really looking forward to rubbing this hot take from Tyler in his face uh, as the season. I comes said, might. I haven't made my nah, pick yet. My pick is nah, not official. Nah, I said, might. Nah, this. this is I, what it. if I? What if I get two LA teams in the Super Bowl in Glendale, Arizona? I mean, that's like 
my my special He's right there. I get two teams in LA in Arizona. Like what? What? That'll be that'll be like super. That 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 would be really good. Sopin, you'll wow. have to come down for that. I I hope so, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, while you were hanging out with the Chargers on Thursday night, I was hanging out with James Cook and Dalvin Cook on Friday night during day two of the draft, and it was pretty cool to be embedded. Uh, with a draft pick like James Cook, who got taken in the second round, pick number 63, excuse me, by the Buffalo Bills. Um, It was crazy. It was exciting. It was really cool to kind of be in a draft party where you see friends and family so excited for the person that they love. And man, Tyler, it was crazy because James Cook got the phone call and his family went absolutely nuts. And he couldn't hear anything on the phone call. (laughs) There's no way he could have heard anything on the phone call. His friends and family were pumped. Dalvin was jumping out the roof. He was the most excited for his brother, James, going to Buffalo. Um, their mother was even more excited, jumping for joy once the moment came. She's got two running backs, two for, two second-round picks in the family now. So kudos to her, to Dalvin Cook and James Cook's mother there. But um, really, really cool sight to see. And um, James Cook, his poor little son, baby James, uh, crying, crying at all the noise and the commotion. And and that was the moment captured when ESPN and NFL Network showed the draft and when when they showed James Cook getting drafted by Buffalo. Um, a really cool sight to see as well. So I got two questions for you. First of all, excellent video you took. You did a really oh, good job there. Thank you. Appreciate it. We went um, viral. Got some numbers going, Tyler. Okay, okay. I see you going viral. I do have to ask, though, did, did you get some of Mama's food? Did, was it soul food? What was on the menu? Ooh, what did you eat? Okay. On the menu, on the menu. No, I didn't eat. I didn't eat. I ate before, you didn't man. eat? At, you didn't get some home cooking? It was oh. a mistake. It, it, it wasn't home cooking, though. It wasn't home cooking. It wasn't okay. Home cooking. They, had, oh, they had to cater. No, I mean, when you when you got they, two sons in the NFL, they, I mean, you just came. You don't got to cook. So well, they had... They, they had they had wings by Wingstop sponsored mm-hmm. sponsor James Cook got the got the bag from Wingstop and he got a whole bag of bunch of wings from them as well, and then Tyler in the backyard they had two hibachi cooks chefing it up man, and you didn't talk, get no talk food. about chef cook talk about chef cook you know what I'm saying the cooks cooking it up they had two hibachi chefs in the back some chicken some rice uh, no shrimp James Cook was a little upset they didn't have a little shrimp so I add that in my story he. Uh, he was like, yo, there's no shrimp here. Man, I don't want this plate. Let me keep worried about this, this draft party here and when I'm going to get picked. But, um, you know, Tyler, it's crazy when you when you think about it. Um, you know, there's a team perspective. Like you said, the Chargers are waiting for their position on the clock, right? It's fixed. They know when they're going to draft. They know where they're going to draft. They have ideas of players that they're going to take. But from a player perspective, you're waiting for everybody else to get drafted and every mm-hmm. team to make a pick before you get picked. Um, and you don't know when that phone call is going to come. Usually it comes a couple picks before it does happen. Um, but there's just agony and waiting. There's only so much you could do. James Cook was controlling the playlist on one phone. And then on the other phone, he's checking his messages. He's checking the calls, checking Instagram, texting some friends, stuff like that. But um, you know, it was kind of cool to see that perspective as well. The player perspective is, you know, waiting and waiting and then just elation when your name is finally called. And uh, for me, man, honestly, that was a cool party to go to. I'd never covered a draft party before. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, personally for me, Tyler, I know you know this. I covered Dalvin Cook in high school back in like 2013, you know, mm-hmm. pushing on like 10 years as far as I've known him, you know, his grandmother, his mother, people in his family. Um, you know, James Cook wore a pendant with uh, – 
his father, James mm-hmm. Cook Jr., who passed away December 2020. Um, you know, I covered Dalvin Cook at FSU. I saw his father every time I saw them. That he would say hello to me. Um, so his presence was sor- his presence was sorely missed at the draft party deep down. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see James Cook, his old his his younger brother, five years after he was drafted, get taken in the second round as well. Um, you know, just a, just a, a cool night and, and and really cool to see how you know the years that go by in the industry when we were working here as journalists here mm-hmm. um, to see the people that you know or covered you know over the years and. And you kind of still stick with them and, and cover them over the years as well, too. It's, it's a real, real cool thing, man. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad you got to witness that uh, firsthand. And, you know, it, it seemed like a, a really special moment from uh, what I've seen. And a special moment for all, you know, the draft prospects who have uh, gotten drafted. I mean, the, seeing people up close achieving lifelong goals is always special. It's sentimental. And, I mean, it's emotional for a lot of people. So, Props to all these uh, quarterbacks, receivers, defenders, everybody who got drafted because it's just a special moment. And hopefully a lot of them uh, make the NFL, especially these late round picks, because mm-hmm. you talk about, you know, you don't know when you're going to get drafted. A lot of these guys waited for hours. Yeah. The fourth days, round. Days. Yeah. Fourth <laughs> round, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round. You know, you talk about two days and if you mm-hmm. get drafted in day three, I mean, you're just sitting waiting by the phone. You probably already know you're not going to get drafted in the first round, so you're not really waiting by your phone. But once day two and day three happens, you're just, you know, agonizing. Okay, it's my phone. Yeah. Ring. And any you don't want nobody else calling. Just <laughs> that NFL team. Nobody it's a deserves bad, me. And it's a bad day to get spam right, calls, bro. Right. Oh, yeah. It's a terrible day to get spam calls. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just, man, just to witness some of those moments. It's just real special and neat to see. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of It's a Football Podcast. Uh, draft season is finally over. I guess the offseason can begin or, I mean, I don't know, Tyler. It's no days off in the NFL. Uh, not for long, which also means no time off as well for us. We're going to have teams starting mini camps. Rookies going to be reporting real soon. Uh, May. May's right around the corner. And then, look, the NFL season is going to be on later on as we get into training camp and stuff in July and August. But don't worry, Tyler and I will still be here. We'll still be weekly with you guys. We'll be talking about the latest NFL news and updates every single week. So we want to thank you again for tuning in with us and stay tapped in with us on that USA Today Sports Plus app as well in your Apple Store and and your Google Play. We want you to fan harder with USA Today Sports Plus. Thought you were going to say something at the end there, Tyler. I didn't know Every, if you wanted me to or something. Hope, you you were talking, you 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 know, you kept on going. So I was yeah, like, okay. man. I mean, we got a big audience today, so I was trying to hold it down for the fort. It's a football podcast. Find it now on the USA Today Sports Plus app, where the biggest fans fan harder. So